Welcome back, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, hello, hello. How was your experience of your Sunday preaching? Pretty good. Pretty solid. Uh, here's a thing that I wasn't prepared for. The priest cried. Really? Yeah, what? he cried. And it Why? was it was actually it ended up being very good, but it was unexpected and spontaneous. It was not planned. And this is not a touchy feely guy, so he didn't have uh, an onion up his sleeve? No, I don't think so. <laughs> None of those old actor tricks. But uh yeah, it was it was really I mean it was it was interesting to see a priest show that much emotion uh while preaching. And uh Right. And I think in the end it ended up being a good thing, but it did you could see people were like what is happening? Like what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it makes people yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. One thing that I liked about the, the homilist this week is that he he spoke about the gospel reading not not making um, as much sense on its own without the narrative from First Samuel or from Second Samuel wherever it was. And he, what he basically said was is that like the gospel passage was norms, but the norms divorced from an, any sort of narrative. There's no narrative, um, and the narrative was given to us in the story of David and Saul, hmm. um, and so like. If you were to give the Saul story, that narrative, and like break it down into lessons, you would get the gospel for yesterday. So I thought that was a really cool way of looking at it. So let's jump into the readings for this week uh, for the eighth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, last Sunday before Lent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wait a minute. Is next week Ash Wednesday? Ash yeah, bro. Wednesday. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And you know what? I think that these readings are really... Uh, appropriate for the last Sunday of Ordinary Time leading us into Lent. Really, f- just focusing on the gospel, uh, I was really struck by this imagery of the tree. We had kind of talked about that before. Yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting little parable. Uh, what do you guys think of it? The good tree does not bear rotten fruit. I, I, do you want, you, do you want to focus on the gospel? Because I wanted to focus on the first reading. Um, <laughs> well, let's go there first. Let's do what you want to do, David. <laughs> I mean, it is first, so I do think that the first reading and the gospel are actually very similar. Maybe that's why I wanted mm. to take it back to the first reading is that they're both very, very similar. Um, and the reason I wanted to focus on the first reading and not the gospel is because I was just struck by the images in the first reading way more than the ones in the gospel. Because the ones in the gospel are not trite, but they are so familiar to me that you know the beam in one's eye and the the fruit that's born from a tree but the thing about sifting and shaking and husks appearing like that struck me right away uh and then also maybe the reason the first reading struck me right away is because i have been very aware like super aware in my life that i can't not share with words what's happening inside of my head a true extrovert (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I felt I felt really incriminated by the first reading. <laughs> Where it's like, so too does one's speech disclose the bent of one's mind. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh my, how much of my bent mind have I let mm, loose on the world? All of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I think it, that those images get to the same kind of stuff of the gospel, mm-hmm, but I, mm-hmm. I was struck by them more just when I read them. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Jesus uses that imagery as well. Uh, the chaff being separated from the wheat. The sieve is shaken, the husks appear. This is a, a very violent motion to separate the good from the bad. Yeah, that's that testing that the, that, that the reading is talking about. 
as the test of what the potter molds is in the furnace. You really find out after it's cooked if there are going to be any cracks or if the paint set or if it's going to be garbage. Why do you think, Jonathan, this is a appropriate leading into Lent? It's kind of our, our first foot into the, into the pool of that preparation for the, for the passion. We are going to now be tested in the fire. Um, mm. We are now going to be in the, that tribulation of the just one, of Jesus, as we approach his, his passion and death. And so I think this is a time where we do, like you were talking about, David, we, f- we, uh, we disclose the bent of our minds with, with what we say and how we act and how we prepare for this. I think that the gospel also has a, a really deep connection to Lent. I mean, there is the first part that we're much more familiar with about removing the beam from your own eye before removing the splinter from your brother's eye. And there's a lot that could be said about this, but this time looking at it, uh, I was really moved by a good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good, but an evil person out of the store of evil produces evil. And I think that as we're looking at Lent and as we're going into this season, we really do have to think about what are the good things that I'm filling my heart with? You know, what are, how am I storing up goodness in my heart? And how am I storing up evil in my heart? And how do I learn or teach myself how to discern what is good for me and what is not? And I think, I think that that could be a whole homily, just like, what do I, what do I put into my heart? And how does that influence my behavior or what I bring into the world? I couldn't help but think of the first and the third reading um, in very much the same light. You know, like you're talking about, Louis, of what we let into ourselves, what we let out, the store of goodness, like harking back to a few weeks ago with, you know, it's not what comes into the body that defiles, but that which comes out. The second reading this week, for me, usually the second reading I don't pay attention to because I usually don't know how it relates. But this week... I couldn't help but it being a, like a shining light to clarify something that I was unsettled by with the first and third reading. The first in the gospel, I couldn't help but just think that they don't really amount to much beyond like reforming of my behavior, of like being a better person, ethics maybe of, you know, how to reform my my way of seeing good actions in my life, which is good. But it, it kind of goes back to the point you made in a previous week, Jonathan, about the resurrection being like the, the measure of all of this. Thinking about the second reading, well, all of the good and the bad that we sift in ourselves and reforming our lives and our actions. In the second reading, we see in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And I just was really struck by that because it put everything in the context of we don't do good just because just because, you know, we want to reform our lives, it's because of the Lord. Like, there's a relationship there. So it, I, I just find that it puts it into the context of my relationship to the Lord and not just being a good person. Because I kind of feel like the first reading in the gospel could maybe be abstracted too far to just moralisms of, you know, of any sort of guru, of like, you know, be good, avoid evil, you know, don't judge. Well, I think, yeah, we are we do good like real good, real kindness, because we know that life has conquered death. That because of that, because of that experience, we choose to enter the world and bring 
life into the world. That it's not just to say, uh, fill your body with good things and get rid of the evil things is really not enough for preaching on this topic. That you would have to do something like what you're saying, where it really has to be connected to that relationship. Yeah, you know, David, I think you're uh, I think you're right that the second reading holds not only holds these the other two together, but leads us to where to our ultimate reality. Our goal is not just to be good people, but it's to be an everlasting people. And I think that that's why this little couplet from uh, from St. Paul is so is so striking for me, at least. Oh, death, death. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. That it's not death, per se, that we should be afraid of, because that's just a natural thing that comes for all people. But in fact, we are afraid of it because of sin. And so I think this this practice that Louis was talking about really reminded me of the old, um, I forget what they call it, the little counter, the little bead counter that Jesuits used to wear when they would do their examine to like... Uh, mark off whenever they practiced a virtue or 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 a vice or whatever like that's a good thing to do because that's how you develop into a good person but it's also a way of coming to understand ourselves as free of the fear that sin sure that sin brings mm-hmm. see the thing though about like counting virtues and counting vices doesn't really amount to anything beyond ethics or aristotle like there's the, what you're saying about the the reason we do not fear um, is because of the that line in that couplet of Corinthians, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. Like, boom. You know, that there's, that's the makes all the difference is that to be a good person is clearly a sign of good fruit of a good tree. But ultimately, like the relationship I have with him who has won the victory is what matters the most. And like Aristotle couldn't do much to give us eternal life. I'm looking at the do not remove the splinter from your brother's eye, but first remove the beam from your own. And I'm wondering if it's connected because that whole little story there begins with a judgment. So why do you focus on the splinter in your brother's eye, which means that you were judging your brother for whatever fault that he has while you have a beam in your own eye without recognizing your own faults. But once you're able to recognize your faults and once you're able to recognize that your struggle is just like your brother's struggle and you remove that beam, then you can remove it from his eyes. So like struggle and suffering really are connected to this idea of authentic kindness that Jesus is pushing forward. That it's not just a kindness of doing good even in an altruistic way, but it's a kindness stemming from the recognition that we really are brothers and sisters. That if we recognize that relationship is there, just like, you know, my sense of who I am as a Christian is based in a relationship with Christ. But if we recognize that that relationship is there with my brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. then I will be authentically kind to them and not just performing these somewhat empty actions just in our conversation today i'm i'm kind of struggling with this idea that we can reduce uh our readings just to being oh well 
it's a story about how to be a good person and there's nothing particularly Christian about that um, because non-Christians can be good people too okay that's true uh, so why do we have these stories then uh, I think it I think it has to go deeper than that you know it's about this transformation uh, like what Louis is talking about we've recognized we've judged that we've done something wrong and so we change we become better um, and that's what we learn from the resurrection. And maybe, the, maybe the first step is acts of kindness. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, someone like who goes to work with the missionaries of charity with Mother Teresa's group, and they go to volunteer with them because they think that what they're doing is really good. But maybe they don't have a real connection with Christ or a real con- a real prayer life or anything. But through working alongside these women, they develop that relationship. So, you know, you can't, we can't step back and say, you know, every act of kindness not rooted in Christ is empty. But I think that every act of kindness ultimately leads to Christ. I mean, that's, he's showing us the way to uh, a deeper relationship with God. Yeah. Well, right. back to our second right. reading. This is leading us to our eternal reality, not just mm-hmm. to the temporal reality. This is uh, unprecedented, but two weeks in a row, I'd like to focus for a second on the Alleluia verse. Alleluia. <laughs> Happy birthday. Um, just because I think uh, maybe the Alleluia verse is a really good summary of what we've been, you know, sort of sifting through a little bit. And th- there's two lines. First, shine like lights in the world. Boom. Be a good person as you hold on to the word of life. Mm-hmm. So there is the dynamic, you know, shine, you know, shine like the sun in the world. Um, but hold on to the hold on to God. Hold on to the word of life. That's the dynamic. It's that be a good person, but also know that whatever good you store up in yourself is rooted in, in the one who is the source of all good. Mm-hmm. That's an act of Even if I don't recognize well. him. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not the light. We only reflect the light. And I think we, we go back to our sin of pride that we think we are the light or the virtuous one. Instead, it's, as St. Paul says, Christ, Christ in me. Yeah, that's, I mean, that reminds me of a lot of the paintings of the saints. They're either holding a, a gospel or holding a rule of their order and very often these saints were not always known as being the strictest of rule followers. Even like what makes them holy sometimes is is breaking these rules. But in their hagiography and in the way that they're depicted, they're shown as rooted in the the rule of the community or rooted in the Gospels as a way of, yeah, kind of showing that uh, good tension between the word and being in the world as a light that you've got to maintain mm-hmm. both. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, that's a good imitation. Yeah. Let's. So we've been going a little while. Let's try to bring this all back. How how would we, how do we kind of summarize these readings? What's is there a theme that we're working on that it can be appropriate as we look forward to Lent, or is it just eighth Sunday in ordinary time? I mean, I I go back to the Alleluia verse as that. That's sort of a theme for me, but if if you ask me to put it in the context of preparing for Lent, it's a little bit 
you new to me to think about it that way. I, I usually try not to think about like tr- I don't know maybe because I just I didn't even know it was the calendar that it was going to be Lent <laughs> next week. But uh, if I were to on the fly say something, I would probably say, "What am I looking for at the end of Lent? Hmm. Am I looking to overcome that habit um, only, like to you know stop eating chocolate so much and to stop you know being so lazy?" overcoming those habits or at the end of Lent am I hoping to meet the risen Christ and maybe that's the invitation for a homily this month Sunday for me is like okay if you're going to encourage people and exhort them to be adventurous and bold during Lent maybe have the end in mind is the end to be a reformed person or is the end to encounter Jesus through whom you are a reformed person I, you know, David, as you were talking, I'm thinking this would be a great thing. Uh, so my grandma, my grandma, <laughs> she, uh, when my uncle was sick, uh, she told God that if he spared him, that uh, she would up all sweets for, you know, and so it became all candy. So she gave up all candy. She doesn't eat candy as a sacrifice. And so she'll, we don't buy her candy. We don't give her candy. <laughs> <laughs> don't give grandma candy that's what we grew up with <laughs> but she does allow herself to eat chocolate covered strawberries like that's her her go-to and so <laughs> there is a sense that like there is goodness in sacrifice and there is goodness in offering something up and and as we're looking at lent there's goodness in these practices but let's not make them hollow practices you know, it's not just about uh, it's not just about the sacrifice. It's about the actual relationship that develops. And so, for my grandma, like, yes, it is about that sacrifice. That's important to her, and it's a reminder to her of God's goodness to our family. And at the same time, there's a willingness in her to say, "Yeah, but like, God isn't you know just about the sacrifice. Like, He wants me to enjoy this too." and enjoy his creation so chocolate covered strawberry or 10 <laughs> every birthday <laughs> is good mm-hmm. yeah no, i would definitely use to... that everybody cry 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 <laughs> grandma what a beautiful story starting with you <laughs> starting with you yeah i'll be the crying priest this week <laughs> all right save up those tears now how about you jonathan any uh summary statement yeah i think uh I don't, you know, now that you mention it, David, I am exactly the opposite. I tend to only look at the readings <laughs> in context of what's uh, what's going on liturgically, uh, and so really this this especially this idea from Sirach that we're um, we're about to be going into the furnace mm-hmm. um, is a big image for me that we're about to be tested by fire and by the Spirit. Yeah, be shaken. Um, yeah, 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 and to be shaken like the uh, like the wheat. Um, that's something. But your point is well taken. That we hold on to the word of life as we're doing this. We can't forget that. And I think that's the for me at least. That's the first thing that goes. It becomes all about the things that I'm doing. Look at how penitent I am. <laughs> Only the penitent man will pass, Jonathan. That's true. <laughs> Kneel before the breath of God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And as well, anything else? That's all I got. That's it. All right. I'm still crying, so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
Louie, have a chocolate-covered strawberry tonight. <laughs> For Grandma. <laughs> For Grandma. <laughs> All right. Well, look forward to chatting next week. All right. All right. Signing off. Signing off. See ya.